Hi, it's Lou. You know, the good-looking one with a full head of lush hair? I'm taking a break from filling DM Scott's shampoo bottle with Nair. To tell you about our new website, thedungeonmastersdojo.com. There, you'll find a host of awesome things, including a picture of me. Every third Friday of the month, a new blog post related to gaming comes out. Interested in getting caught up on the podcast episodes? You'll find those on the website, too, as well as other interesting information. Head on over to thedungeonmastersdojo.com and pay us a visit. Send us a message, too. We'd love to hear from you. Now, if you excuse me, I have to take the batteries out of DM Bill's hearing aid. See you next time in the dojo. Hello, and welcome to the Dungeon Masters Dojo Podcast. This is a show for game masters, as well as experienced and new players alike. This is an introduction into who we are and what we bring to the table. I'm your host, Louis Wildcard Aponte. Our series hosts are Scott, the Art of the Story Labby, and Bill, the Master of Continuity Robotile. To put things into perspective, both Bill and Scott have been playing D&D and other RPG games for over 30 years. I myself have been playing with both Bill and Scott since the mid-90s. Without further ado, let's get the show started. Bill, tell us how you got started into the RBG world and what has kept you here. What got me started? Uh, way back when the dinosaurs and the cavemen lived together, um, a flying D4-shaped object came down out of the sky and dropped this magical book in front of us. No, I just, um, back when I was a kid, we, um, me and my friends had overactive imaginations and used it to get in trouble far too often. And one of the older brothers who happened to be in the service and was out in Lake Geneva, uh, doing some military games in a, a little shop with a gentleman who was starting a brand new game in the late sixties, came home with a copy of it early, early, early on and said, here, give this a try. And, uh, was then introduced to the first incarnation of Dungeons and Dragons. And uh, it gave me an opportunity to keep, go somewhere with my imagination and act out without having to act out. And then I just never left. That, that's good. How about you, Scott? Uh, not entirely dissimilar from Bill's story. There was an older brother involved. And since he was uh, kind of the cool kid, or at least he was the cool kid as far as we were concerned back then, cool kids didn't do this sort of thing. But he, uh, he introduced us to that during like a sleepover. But his, his set was, was the uh, four white books, the chain mail rules. So it was really, really clunky. It wasn't until I think it was either Christmas or my birthday. They're both pretty close that I got my first set, but it was the red boxed set with the uh, terrible artwork that looked like some you know, high schooler was doodling in the uh, the margins of their, their math notebook when they should have been paying attention in school. Um, that was uh, my grandmother that bought me my first copy. Um, years later, she was mortified to find out that we were all Satan worshipers and uh, were eating babies and the whatnot. Um, being a devout Roman Catholic Polish woman, it was uh, it was crushing. 
at least that's what the satanic panic was back in the 80s. I know Bill remembers that too. Um, I think I still, have some, the burning, friends, I think I still have some of the burning scars. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess the, the bigger question is um, what actually, or what, you know, what kept you into the game and, um, and how did it, how did it um, affect your, you know, your, your childhood? <laughs> affect my childhood. <laughs> well, you for uh, your adulthood. <laughs> what kept me there was it was the it was the ability to escape um i was an avid reader even when i was young so i like to put my mind in different worlds and different places and here's one where i could actually participate in the story and create the story as opposed to just reading it um and for my young impressionable and severely demented mind that was a very very perfect place to go um, I was already, as a young kid, enamored with uh, Renaissance, medieval um, castles, uh, implements of war, <clears throat> siege equipment and armor and weapons. And so here was something that I could act out. And as I learned things in school or through reading, I then would turn and use this in, in my games as well, or as best I could. Um, and that's... You know, it just a, it, it was a place to act out and to nurture my interests. And like I said, be able to be part of the story as opposed to just reading it. And I agree. I think that's a lot of us. How about you, Scott? Uh, you guys. That, that, Pretty much. I mean, my, my, uh, my gaming experience was such that I have forged friendships with people that I have now known longer than I have not known. Um, so that keeps me, keeps me coming back. You know, of course there's the, the fun of getting together like on Monday nights or, or when we go away. Um, the storytelling is, is always, always paramount. And, uh, I think the, uh, the big draw is the, uh, the opportunity to kind of, be a character akin to those in a Terry Brooks novel or a Tolkien novel, though we usually end up Monty Python. <laughs> um, we're never quite that epic, but mostly it's uh, it's the friends I've made and and having the opportunity to have played with them for thirty some odd years. In in most of the cases with with our particular gaming group, that's that's what it is. There's a group of or five of us that has been gaming together for forever, thirty years. Yeah, forever for a long, long time. Yeah, pretty much. Seems, yeah, thirty plus, and some. Yeah, um, so you know. But yeah, that's a that's well put, and and it's like I think every all of us feel that way at the same time. Um, so, but now I, I, you two are some of the at least in my eyes, some of the best uh, GMs, uh, game masters, uh, dungeon masters, whatever, however you want to call it. What? That's because you haven't actually played with a competent one yet. <laughs> <laughs> we have him convinced. Well, no, I played with a few, but I, um, you two are in the tops. And I just want to know, you know, we are, we're calling this the, the dungeon masters dojo. What makes you guys masters of um, your arena here? Uh, for me, um, I've played everything. I've done everything. 
um, as a player, I will pick up any game system um, and take to it almost immediately because there's there's rarely anything new. And even if it is new, um, it's so close to something else that I've already played that I can take to it almost immediately, uh, put myself in the genre, adapt the the combat system, you know, um, and then take off from there. So I think versatility for me uh, as a player, and then I bring that to my table because what I've seen in other games and other genres and and other styles, um, you you if you see something you like, you adopt it, you mutate it, you give it your own flavor, then you use it. I've been playing since 1970. Um, if my ancient brain serves me, that's 50 years. I've seen a lot of game masters. I've seen a lot of players. Um, I've been in the RPGA arena where it's um, it's a PvP mentality all the time, every time at all the conventions. And you get exposed to a lot of different styles. And I incorporate all that into what I play, what I build. And when I game, when I game master, um, it's when you've you've seen as much as I have, you've seen things that are, if you haven't seen it exactly, you've seen something close. And you seem to have an answer for it. And a lot of times the players think they're going to stump you. They're going to throw you something new. And you, if you always have an answer for it, incorporate it into the story, make it fun. And they're like, gee, I thought I had them this time. And, mm-hmm. And next thing I know, the story's going away. It's like he planned it. Um, I think that's where my mastery comes in. Yep, and I'll agree with that. And that's why um, I just always uh, look at you as the master of continuity. Um, but, you know, Scott, how about you? Well, I've, I've been doing it a long time as well, and, and uh, not as long as Bill. Um, I didn't think it was possible to do anything consecutively for that long. Um, but I realized years ago that I have mastered nothing but the real realization that my skill of, at the head of the table can always be improved upon. So I, I was told by a martial arts instructor years ago that to become a master of anything, you have to approach your training as a series of small projects. And every single game session is a small project. You know, you have to bring something to the table. You have to be an entertainer. You have to be a rules lawyer. You have to be a, a referee. Um, you have to provide counsel. Um, it's a series of small projects. You know, when you do that over and over and over again, you uh, you develop that skill. Experience is a really good teacher. That's a lot of what Bill was saying. It's a lot of the experience is what makes you able to, to do things on the fly, um, to answer those questions that, a a green DM would probably be stumped by Um, or someone who's really knowledgeable of the rules books would be stumped by because there isn't a rule in the rule book for that particular situation. Um, So being able to think on the fly and just being practiced at it. um, I've been running games longer than I've been been playing them. Um, In my case, it was kind of, I was voluntold that I was going to be the game master the dungeon master back then because nobody else wanted to, but everybody else wanted to play. And that, that, that is, um, that, that, that's a good start, you know, and, um, we're just glad to have you both as our, our GMs. Um, but now this is the, the big question. And this is our, 
session zero podcast, our introduction. Why did why did you guys want to, or what compelled you to um, move into the podcasting world? <laughs> um, I don't know about compelled. Um, being the dinosaur, I had to be dragged everywhere. <clears throat> but um, as as we've been saying, two of us have been game mastering for a very 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 long time. Uh, and we've learned a lot of tricks. And like Scott said, there's there's green game masters out there that are are going to be curious about, gee, how do I handle this and how do I handle that? And what do I do about this? And gee, I got a problem player or I'm stumped on writing a system. Um, uh, how do you build a town? Uh, these are the type of things that we've done over and over and over again. And even for the experienced players, like I said, I still learn things from other game masters by watching them. Um, even after all this time, uh, this old dog can learn new tricks. So we want to pass that on. I want to pass that on. Some of the tricks that I've learned, some of the ways to interpret what's going on, some ways to feel out your table and see how things are progressing and how to deal with the problem player, uh, how to deal with the problem scenario. The scenario came to a dead end. Oh, gee, abruptly because the party took a left-hand turn and they're supposed to take a right. Um, I want to be able to pass that on and how to, to roll with the punches, how to make things up on the fly, uh, how to prepare ahead of time. So you don't, you're not caught by surprise. And I got a few tricks and I'm willing to let people look up my sleeve. Uh, trust me. We're all trying to look up your sleeves cause we all seen the tricks and we're all trying to use them and we still can't <laughs> figure them out sometimes. How about you, Scott? Um, I, I had uh, had the uh, experience of having to figure everything out on my own, which um, was a lot of trial and error, um, a lot of a lot of pretty solid successes, but then there were failures along the way. So it's a way of uh, mentoring a large group of of future DMs so that they can they can develop their skills and keep the hobby going. Um, been going a long time now so i'd like to i'd like to see it going even further i think it's a there's not enough for that i don't know social gaming going on anymore you know everybody's uh everybody's on the computer or doing warcraft um, or whatever yeah and uh that's a great game but it it doesn't hold a candle to sitting at a gaming table in someone's basement rolling dice um so if we can nurture a new breed of game master or players or maybe even just introduce somebody to it and kind of spark that interest and uh get them involved um i think a podcast is a pretty good way of doing that sort of thing especially if you have a face for radio <laughs> and in your case yeah, the I'm, voice I'm sitting right here okay <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> well just just uh, one last question for each of you and it just uh, just so we understand or, or people understand um the, you know, where you guys have come from, just tell us a little bit. I know your guy's style. I've been gaming with you guys since the mid nineties, but tell us a little bit about your style. And I guess people may kind of figured that out the way I introduced you guys, but, um, we'll, we'll start with Scott and, um, you know, tell, explain a bit of how, how you go about, you know, game mastering and your style of game mastering. I'm a terrible rules lawyer. That's something that Bill does a lot better than I do. Um, I love, I love the story, something big and, 
and sweeping with twists and turns and the uh, getting that emotional investment from players into their characters and from um, players uh, into other players' characters. Um, it's very gratifying uh, to see that. And that's what I like to bring to the table. I could do a lot better with the rules. Um, the story is really, really my thing. That's what I really, really like. Um, that's what, that's what kind of makes it special. I knew we did a really good thing and I know, I know you get a little overly sensitive about it, but there was one year where we were finishing seven years of a, of a campaign and, uh, you're going to make me cry again. A couple, a couple key, key characters. And uh, people handled that very differently when, when we were wrapping it all up. We had one of our group who was, who was in tears. Um, More than one, actually. Was a, yeah, there was quite a few of a, us. There was another, another gentleman who, uh, who was pretty upset about some of the things that happened because of the emotional investment that they had, not so much in their character, but in another one. Actually, it was an NPC. Um, so that's what. That's my style. That's what I really like. That's that's how I knew we did something pretty uh pretty good. Pretty epic. You know, seven years in the making. Yep. How about you, Bill? Give us a little taste. Well, um I will uh I'll back the uh the bit that Scott is a phenomenal storyteller. He's a better storyteller than I am, but I am a bit of a rules lawyer. Uh for me it's the again, the twist, the turns. Um, I'm more of a, a puzzle person. I like putting out, uh, problems for them. Uh, make them look for the different pieces of the puzzle. Let them find the key to the lock. That isn't necessarily key. Ask a few things. Uh, nothing's ever uh, really as it seems with me. Um, there's always some little twist. There's always some little nuance that you have to catch and you all give you more than one opportunity. Uh, but I, I like I like the characters to think. I like the players to think, um, and let them work together. Let them you know try to make them work together so they can solve the puzzle. Uh, it's one thing to listen to the story. It's another thing to like I said for me the big thing was being part of the story, and I want them to be part of the story as well. And if they can do it all together, because let's say this is a cooperative game, um, <laughs> although sometimes it doesn't seem that way. Uh, I like to make them work together and let them let them try to figure things out. So that's kind of that's the, probably the base of mine. I do try to tell a good story. Like I said I'm not quite as in depth as uh, Mr. Labby, but um, I somehow muddle through it. I I think too that Bill makes a really good point in that there's uh, the story is um, the story is important, but the characters integrating into it and being a part of it um is is really key to any story being good because it is kind of cooperative storytelling when you look at it you have your stories and outline um and they kind of they kind of put the flesh on the skeleton um with everything from their casual interactions with other npcs to you know the long and grueling combats um and their less than casual interaction amongst themselves it happens from time to time. And that, I think that's where, that's where it really starts to become something. And it's more of an art than a science, really. It's kind of like balancing 
on a two by four that's sitting on top of a basketball sometimes. That, that's perfectly, perfectly well said. Any last words, um, Mr. Labby? I hope everybody comes back. Me too. How about you, Bill? Um, nah, I think I've said enough. <laughs> okay. You can go on all night, you know, if you let yeah, I can't. That's what I'm stopping now. I, I won't Thanks for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe to the podcast for more great content. Thank you and have a good day. <laughs>